Welcome to the Managing Happiness Podcast, helping you to find your true purpose, bring out your A-game, and cultivate the right habits. We're interviewing experts, authors, and thought leaders who are here to share their tried and tested methods that will help you to thrive in life. Here's your host. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Managing Happiness Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of having Brad Milford on the podcast. He's like me, a organizational and personal development geek. He's a mental mastery expert. Similar to what we do at Managing Happiness is mastering ourselves, figuring out how we tick, know thyself, and figuring out our habits and removing limiting beliefs, etc. So I'm really looking forward to learning from Brad how he teaches this to his audience. He's a sales operations and business growth strategist, and he helps entrepreneurs to implement these systems to thrive and, and to grow. He's a U.S. Navy veteran and a world traveler. He just told me he was three years in Spain and he speaks Spanish and he took like cool motorcycle tours throughout Europe, which is super often. And he has built eight corporations and led and managed and grown more than 100 businesses from zero to seven figure uh, multiples and beyond. So, Brad, it's a pleasure to have you. Oh, pleasure to be here. So, Brad, may- maybe you'll, you'll fill in the blanks a little bit and, and tell the audience what you're doing with your, with your coaching. Yeah. So, for me, it's been hard. It's not been easy. <laughs> but we're not going to drop the mood elevator yet in the story, right? But um, basically, I'm really passionate about brain, body, and business. And those are the three Bs that I like. They go along with Build Brilliance. My company name is Build Brilliance, which is just such a weird name for a business. But here's the essence of what that's all about. So it, it covers both business and personal development, right? Because they're intertwined, they're interlocked. And I believe what I came to find throughout all this hard stuff throughout my life, we all have some hard stuff, right? What I came to find is that we all have this brilliance inside of us. So some people talk about genius, right? Maybe genius is a different level. Maybe not all of us reach the genius level, but I believe that all of us have a brilliance inside of us. There's a uniqueness inside us. There's something inside us that we have that unfortunately many people never capture. They never unleash it. They never, you know, draw it out, whether it's because of this thing that happened in our childhood that we fear or because we feel like we're unworthy or something occurred or whatever the reason, right? Too many of us don't release that passion we have inside, release that brilliance. We don't know how to capture it. We never were trained to be able to like enhance it and release it. And so, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this, but that's both in personal development, like in personal life and in business, they're the same thing because they relate to one another. So that's ultimately what I help people do, whether it's a fortune 100 CEO I'm working with and helping them implement systems with their team, or whether it's just someone that I'm, I'm working with who just really wants to understand themselves at a, at a deeper level and become a better person. It's a fascinating journey. Yeah, I, I can very much relate. All the stuff that we, I guess, once we go through things, then we can teach these things to others. You know, once we've kind of like figured something out and often, yeah, once we kind of know where this stuff is coming from, and we really know ourselves, everything becomes much easier as well. In Managing Happiness, we have the Know Thyself document. We really figure out, like, yeah, knowing ourselves. And one thing that in this document I want to share with you, because I think you'll, you'll like it, we have an error log. So whenever we mess up, every time when something doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, we put it in there and then we contemplate what can we change next time to make sure this doesn't happen again. And we do this all, and also in my business, we do this as well. So whenever... 
some customer complaint, deadline not reached, whatever it is. We look at which SOP, which standard operating procedure can we change to make sure this never happens again. And so we become a self-healing machine in the business or like as, you know, when it comes to personal development, I guess a self-healing organism to kind of make sure we recognize the pattern next time. And then we have like the antidote, like because we, we fixed these things before, it's like often we fall into the same pattern again that we know. And yeah, just learning from this. 100% with you. I love that error log. That's great. I may implement that with your permission. Thank you. Please, please go for it. <laughs> but to double down on that, what I teach my clients is uh, something similar. So you're capturing the errors. What I focus on is the transformational moments and lessons. So I have a spreadsheet that I've been keeping for years now, for decades now, right? And now I teach my clients to do that too, because I, I did kind of grow up hard and right. And I did, I call myself a mistake expert. And I used to be in my younger years before I knew better. I used to be kind of angry and resentful about that, why things were so hard. But then when I came through it, I started to capture those lessons. And those lessons have made me tremendous at coaching, at consulting, at, you know, relating to people in a deeper way. And so the way I began to highlight those was to just capture them. And it's not any kind of fancy spreadsheet like anybody listening or watching could do it right now. Just capture the year, the lesson that you learned what quarter it was, maybe if you're going like each quarter or something, I go by quarter now. What was the transformational moment or what was the lesson learned? Those are slightly different. Sometimes you have this aha moment and then sometimes you just learn a lesson. To me, those are different. Um, they're slightly different, but I capture both of those and then I can track them and look them up. And then the emotion that I was experiencing at the time and then who I learned it from or where it came from. And those things are really important to know. A little story about how that came to be. It takes me just a few moments every quarter to fill that in. And then I revisit it. That's the key right there. I revisit it quarterly as well to make sure that I'm not repeating any of these mistakes. I think sometimes we make a mistake and we say, oh yeah, I should, I probably shouldn't do that again. And then we forget about it. And then we find ourselves and we're like, wait, didn't I tell myself, I'm like, I don't want to do that again, but here I am. And so this helps prevent all that. So I love this conversation. It's, it's great already. Yeah, write something down because you gave me an idea something I want to share. I love that. Uh, hopefully I gave some listeners and, and you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you credit in the LinkedIn post. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I just call it my transformational log. So it's great. Error log, some people like, and, and I have a portfolio of businesses and some of the leaders don't like it. Some call it the oops log. But I'm fine with an error because it is an error. And also what I want to bring across is that it's totally cool to make errors. It's just, you know, just like you learn from it, then it's fine. If you do the same error over and over, we have to talk and you will never get in trouble for me to committing mistakes, I'll, but I'll rip your head off if you don't add it to the error lock. That's the only rule, you know, like you just got to put it in there so we can, can learn from it. Otherwise I feel betrayed. 100%. I'm with you. We also have like a shout out lock to kind of like make sure that stuff that's good, you know, to share it with, with the team and giving shout outs. But so it's not only, only errors and negative. Celebrations, wins and celebrations and error. <laughs> I'm not good at the wins and celebrations. I'm almost like, okay, done next, but I'm working on that. Well, it's an interesting topic that we're kind of touching on right here. But people don't like to be told they're wrong. I mean, let's face it, people in general, right? And now some, the world or the state of the world, I mean, some, some of that is like, you know, you're not supposed to say some of that stuff. Well, I take a stand against that. I want to speak honest and direct. And I believe that when you do speak honest and direct, and you are candid and you don't have to walk on eggshells or, you know, tiptoe around the tulips, as they say, like, just shoot straight. And there's too many people who are afraid to speak their mind for whatever reason. We don't need to dive into that. But 
the real gift is when you have people around you, when you're surrounded with people who will be honest with you. And the way you deliver it is important, but it's really important that you get honest feedback and not just friends who are just yes men or women and, and are just saying like stuff to, to make you feel good. And that's what most people do. But the real life-changing stuff is when you get honest feedback. Feedback is a gift. And not that many people realize that. I'm always super happy when I get the feedback. I think it like, once people understand, I think this is like what good culture means in the business. If you build this trust that people are cool with, like even criticizing the boss. Another thing is like in all my one-on-ones that I'm doing, I have this check-in questions. Like one is what's going really well right now? What is draining you? Because often people have a hard time telling like, hey, I'm sucking at this. But what's draining you is kind of like a nicer way of delivering this. And then how do you rate yourself from zero to 10? But by doing this, like it always gives me great talking points to dig into the things that are important and it makes it normal to talk about, to give feedback, you know, because like every week I give you feedback and you kind of rate yourself and then I have the opportunity like, oh, Brad, you think you, you delivered an eight? I think you did four because of X, Y, Z. So it becomes like a normal thing to get feedback, not only like the, I hate annual performance reviews because I have a hard time remembering what I ate for lunch, you know, like how can I give you pro feedback on how you performed over the year? I'm going to sidestep that one because I'll go on a rant about performance reviews and how awful most of them are, but let's just sidestep that one (laughs) (laughs) because most of them are not helpful. I'd rather have feedback on a weekly basis. I'm with you, what you just described. Like, give me some real honest feedback and deliver it in a way that's loving, right? So just looking right on your microphone, it's love, not fear, right? I know that's your theme. So deliver it in a loving way. And I just learned a statement. So I love frameworks. I imagine you too. And if you're listening and watching, you probably do too. Like having a framework is, just makes our life easier. I believe structure creates freedom, which is a strange statement for some people. But the more structure we have, the more freedom we're able to accomplish because when it comes down right to it, everything we do is based on habits, whether they're conscious or unconscious, they all come out of habits. And even stretching ourselves is like, how much can we stretch in our habits? So structure does create freedom, even if that feels like it's unfamiliar to you at the moment, that statement. It's true. And so this framework is something I learned just in business. And now I use it, you know, as coach and things like that. Number one, first of all, if you're stepping into something that could be touchy, ask for permission. Just ask permission. Hey, can I do can I have your permission to share some feedback with you? This is exactly what I did with you. I modeled that <laughs> today, David, right? I just say, hey, do, you know, is it okay if I share some feedback with you? If you said no, I'd be like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks anyway. Does it ever happen that people say no? Uh, yes, I just had that happen with someone who's a little high on the neurodiverse scale. And he literally says that I know that about him and I wanted to give him some feedback and he was a little bit overloaded on that day mm. and he was feeling a little down and he had a lot of things in his mind and he's, he said, you know, I'd like to hear it, but I'm glad you asked because right now I don't think I can receive it. Oh, that's cool. Actually, I like that. And so it's a great example of why we ask. Sometimes people do say no. It is a rare occasion, but we never know what someone's experiencing throughout the day. So that's one. If you're going to give good feedback, ask for permission. Hey, do I have your permission to give you some feedback? And then add this statement. I'm going to give it to you out of love because it's from a place of love. That's why I give it to you. And it, it's the intent is to help you grow. And so if you say that, right, first ask permission and just say that. Hey, look, I'm going to, okay, this feedback is out of love. And it's intended to help you grow. That's a framework you can use every time when you give feedback and people will receive it well. And so I encourage you, you're listening or watching, implement that into your life and business. It's very powerful. 
I do a similar thing. And usually when I have a new direct report, it takes like three or four feedbacks until they understand that I'm, you know, always say like, hey, I'm doing this not because my, I had a fight with my wife and I want to get rid of some steam or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm saying this because I want you to be a rock star. I want you to grow. Also, when people see that you actually take actions that you have their best interest at heart, then they, they'll become open to this, which is also like part of having a good culture. And then I can give like, I'm German, like being very direct, especially with like people I work closely with. It's like, hey, Brad, XYZ sucked. You know, like, and I don't want you to do the management bullshit sandwich anymore. Like, hey, Brad, this is so, so amazing that you did. This one's not good. You know, and then kind of like closing up with like, but you're great here as well. And usually I have to say like two, three, four times. And people have sometimes show some resistance or like excuses. And then every time when these excuses come, they're like, Hey, Brad, listen, you know, I'm doing this for you. You know, I want you to rock. It's not because I want you to feel bad. I want us to improve. And so kind of having all these things like error log, the regular feedback, et cetera, that becomes like a normal thing and it becomes not threatening anymore. And you have to like kind of like tiptoe around tulips. I think it's, I read a funny joke on how, so it was like this thing, like how women give feedback. One says to the other, did I gain weight? You know, did I become fat? It's like, oh no, you look, you look amazing. And when a guy tells another guy like, hey, bro, did I get fat? And the other one says, I know five fat people and you are four of them. <laughs> it's funny because there's truth in it. That's what's that would make it funny. Everybody's so sensitive right now, but yeah. Let's see if this podcast will be banned soon. If somebody gets upset. Yeah. I'm not the sensitive one, so. <laughs> Brad, I'm curious if you could share other frameworks or things that did you use to be in your personal A-game or that you use to make people breakthrough, release, supplement beliefs or whatever to help people to be on their personal A-game. So I'm curious to learn. So frameworks come with time. Either you get them from someone else or you spend years creating them. So I'm always happy to share actionable information. Information is great, but information is not power. So let me just dispel that myth right now. A lot of people still say information is power. Information is not power. Information is only power when you execute. Execution is power, right? Execution of the information is power. So let's dispel that myth right away. So, I mean, I love podcasts, but when we deliver actionable information on them, then that becomes even much more powerful. So hopefully we'll do that by the end here. I suspect we will, and we maybe already have. So that's great. I would like to start just right from the beginning. So I grew up, I'm just going to be candid, right? And I'm going to use a term that's fairly trending right now, but I grew up with a lot of manipulation in my life. Like I grew up probably teetering on narcissism and I'm not afraid to admit that. I just don't like to put it in the public eye that much, but Hey, look, if we're not honest with each other, then where are we going to go from here? Right? So let me just be honest right from the start. And it was more, it's like, it's nobody's fault. I don't blame anybody. However, I did for many years. I carried this resentment, this anger with me, this unknowing, right? I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I don't blame anybody now. I'm actually, I'm grateful for it now. It's become a gift. But it caused, I caused, it caused a lot of problems in my life. And that started from a very young age for me. And I did go on on a mission from the age of seven. I knew something was wrong. So it all started when my mom and my stepdad, they split up, right? So my mom and my stepdad had an argument, they split up. So now I realized that I was without a father and now I was out without a stepfather too, right? And so my mom, God love her, I respect her. She raised four children four children on her own. That's hard stuff right there. By no means were we wealthy. <laughs> that's probably a given, right? But that's the situation we were in. But what I realized at that age, at the age of seven, 
is what many of us know, or hopefully we all come to realize is that really, I just wanted to believe I wanted to belong and I wanted to become. And so I wanted to believe in myself and have the confidence needed to be a successful human being, a successful person, be loved. Right. I wanted to belong to a tribe or a congregation or a, or a community and be loved by the community and love in the community. And I, I wanted to become someone significant and create impact in the world. Like it's the same thing that all of us want, right? Don't we all want that? And so I realized I didn't know how to do that. Right. And so, you know, my mom was working two jobs and taking care of children and she wasn't there a whole lot to teach me these things. And that's where it started. So I just share that from a place, you know, from a heart center place to say like, look, many of us have these things that occur in our childhood that start us on a path. So that was the origin for my path. And it took me on a wild journey, right? So from there, I started a business at the age of 14, some failures, some wins. I had another business when I was 16. I went into the military when I was around, you know, 17, 18. I was there for almost six years. Some wins and failures, some scary stuff, some fun stuff, you know, as you can possibly imagine. But all the lessons were all intended to be able to figure out how to manage my happiness. How to, how to maintain it, how to maximize it, right? I mean, that's really our mission in life is to become the best human we can and to be successful and happy. It is part of our mission to be able to expand in love and not contract in fear. That's part of all of us. So for me, you know, I could go deep here, but I want to get to some frameworks. For me, it was really a matter of what, what really happened. Like the real true catalyst to all of this was I got so frustrated right around the age of 40. So that was about 12 or 13 years ago. And I had become successful in business through much struggle and lots of hard work, but something was missing. Something was wrong. And I was really frustrated. I could feel the pieces. Like if you were on the glacier, right? I could feel like cracks starting to happen. Yes, things started to melt. Like I could feel, I knew something was happening. I wasn't quite sure I couldn't put my finger on it. And I didn't know exactly what the answer was, but I could feel it happening. And so, you know, if you've ever felt like that, you, you get it, you know, you know, those moments, there's an intuitiveness about it. Like you feel something's wrong, something's missing. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I got so frustrated. I didn't have any current mentors in my life. I didn't have a dad growing up. I didn't have any, you know, too many male role models. There was a few, but no one that I was really deeply connected with. And that was a problem in itself. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but, you know, I'd always craved that, that connection. Right. And I just got so frustrated, David, that I just, I said, you know what? I don't know what the heck I believe. I just, I don't know what to do. And like, I mean, I was literally like kind of screaming to myself in my mind and I probably even spoke it out loud. And I was, frankly, I was about to throw in the towel. It was not a good time for me. Just some really hard stuff. And I just, you know, I had some wins and losses, but I just, I, didn't, I knew there was something more. Anyhow, when I said that out loud, I just don't even know what I believe or what I want anymore. It just dawned on me. Something, there's like a light switch that flipped. What do you believe? What do you want? What do you believe? And so I decided, so I had, built stadiums and I had done some things and playgrounds, tennis courts. I'd read blueprints and stuff and something flipped in me. And I started to view, I actually had an image in my mind. I started to view beliefs and I was like, I knew beliefs were what drives us. I had an intuitive notion. I just, I had this picture of like beliefs and then everything 
spanning from there. And I knew it was like the linchpin. It was like the center of things. I just had this feeling, but I didn't know what I believed. So I played a game and I encourage you, if you're listening, I have stood since then, I have stood in rooms of a thousand people and I asked the room, what's your number one belief? And it's unfortunate, even in today's day where it's become more mainstream, there's more podcasts about it. There's more information out there. Even today with a room of a thousand, only a handful or so of people actually know what their number one belief is, raise their hand and say, I believe this, this is my number one belief. But yet beliefs drive everything we do. Drive our happiness, they, they, drive, they drive everything, right? So beliefs lead to actions, actions lead to results basically. And so I encourage you, if you're listening and watching, going back to the framework, I encourage you to play a game. So I say, what are your beliefs? I want you to ask you like what your beliefs are. And a lot of people struggle with this. And if they don't know, if they've never had any coaching, you know, they're like, well, I don't even know where to begin. Well, think of the music that you listen to or the movies that you watch or the, the patterns in your life, the connections in your life or the things that you've enjoyed and the things that you haven't enjoyed. And I would encourage you over the course of a week or two, set the intention in your mind to determine what your beliefs are. Okay. What is your number one belief? What's your number two belief? What's your number three belief? And just start zeroing into those because they drive you. Is belief something like core value? It's different. I'll be happy to speak into that. It's very, very different. But if you focus on your core values, that will also help you drive your beliefs. I'll give you an example and explain that. David, be happy to. But that, that is a starting point. That is a life-changing, transformational starting point. So what I challenge my clients to do is capture the top eight beliefs. And look, David, they're messy at first. Okay. They're not, look, you scratch some stuff over on paper over the course of two weeks or whatever. It's just like business. When you start something, it's a little bit messy, but don't filter it out. Don't filter anything out. Just slap everything on a piece of paper for, you know, one to two weeks and see what you come up with. And then you can take it and begin to refine it. So as an example, I'll share my number one belief. And this came through several iterations. And I, you know, I've heard other people say the same thing, but my number one belief simply is I believe in making the impossible possible. And it drives everything I do every single day. Now, if you're listening and watching, you're saying that doesn't even make sense. Because I realize some people say that doesn't make any sense. But I see evidence of this every day, David, when people like us, like you and I, and you listening and watching, when we impact people, and those people believe that something is impossible for them, and then we help them achieve it, then what was impossible becomes possible. And so I see evidence in my business and even in my personal relationships on a regular basis. So that's one of the ones that drive me. My second belief is having frameworks, right? So people must have frameworks, whether it's schematic or a blueprint or a roadmap or whatever you want to call it, right? GPS, you've got to have some kind of framework. So I believe in frameworks and I believe frameworks are very important. Formulas and frameworks and all these kinds of things. Too many people work from unconscious rather than at the conscious level. And so, you know, they're not woke, as you might say. And the way we get to these beliefs is just to play that thought exercise. But there's one key thing here. When you begin to think this, make sure you filter out what was proposed by someone else. Keeping up with the Joneses. Correct. But when you deep dive it, you think, wait, hold on a minute. Was that proposed by someone else? Was it a teacher? Was it my mom or dad? Someone that I've had exposure to? Was it, you know, all these people that were my boss, whatever. Is that their belief or is that my belief? 
So I use SI, self-imposed versus PO, proposed by other. And so just mark that by it as you do this two-week exercise. And then then you can take it from there to a, a second iteration and begin to improve it a little bit. That's a very powerful exercise. You only get to a very succinct, like I believe making the impossible is possible after about two or three iterations. But start now today. Know what you believe because that's your main driver for everything you do in every area. How many beliefs do you have? Eight. I have eight. I mean, I have many beliefs, but I have eight main ones that drive me that I recurringly, periodically review. I review them daily. It's part of my morning routine. And that, that helps me keep on track, right? It helps me keep aligned with who I am. Now, I want to answer your question. I didn't forget values. So we're talking about happiness here, right? If you really want to be happy, you need to know yourself. You spoke into that. So go within or go without is what I learned through a lot of my hardcore lessons, right? Go within or go without. And so to be able to do that, you need to know thyself. You spoke directly into that. And this like beliefs, principles, which I speak on very specifically, because not that many people talk about principles and values as well. Values are good, but what about principles? And so I'll speak into those briefly to answer your question. And then like, and then beyond that, I mean, this podcast isn't long enough, but there's a morals. What are your morals? Do you know what they are? Right. What is your mission? What is your vision? What are your needs? What are your wants? Like all these things, they're like pieces to the puzzle that people speak into, but very few people have it all like aligned for me. When you have all these things and there's several other categories, your leadership principles, your teaching points of view, like all these things, when you have all this stuff aligned. And you know yourself at a very deep level. What are your strengths? What are your talents? And you have it all in one place and review it regularly. When you have yourself in full alignment, you get freedom. I don't know how else to put it. Like you get happiness and freedom and joy because you're able to speak into who you are at a much deeper level and be able to connect with people on a much deeper level. And look, I say this with humility, David, because again, it took me 40 years to figure this out. No one taught me this. These were hard-ass lessons. So principles, I often get questions, and you already asked. Values and principles and beliefs, those are different. Beliefs are what drive us. It's the paradigm, right? Thoughts lead to beliefs. Beliefs lead to belief systems, which are patterns. They're paradigms. And that leads to our attitudes. So knowing those differences, but zero in on your beliefs. A value, and here's what's different between a principle and a value. A value is malleable. Okay. And I'm going to illustrate this through some words. You may value you listening, watching, not necessarily you do. You may value money, right? Maybe you're looking to improve your money mindset. I imagine you also value family. Of course. So anybody listening and watching was like, yes, of course I do. Right. So whether it's your children, whether it's just, you know, whoever family it is, we all value family. So the question becomes then if they're malleable, do you value money more than family or do you value family more than money? Right. So values are malleable and then they're also malleable in the short term. So when something urgent happens and sometimes you need to put that value above another value just for a short time, not for the long term, but for a short time. And so when I teach people values, not only do I have them write the value, the name of the value. So for illustration, we're using the two money and family. There's many more, but you've got to list them and then you need to prioritize them. So you need to weight them. What's your number one? right? What is your core value? What is your aspiring value? You aspire to more. You want to improve along the way, right? So I rate them in three categories, core, foundational, 
and aspiring. And that just gives me more structure, creates freedom, right? It's, it gives me more clarity. So now that we've got beliefs and we've got values, understanding principles is very important. So in principles like here in the United States, I believe our founding fathers had deep principles, right? Unfortunately, some of that is eroded. I'm not going to beat around the bush. The state of affairs we live in today is quite different from it was back then where people were much more principle-based. And I'd like to pull us together as a, you know, in the world, like pull us together and get us a little bit more principle-based once again. I think some of those principles, people would say some of those values have eroded. I would say some of the principles have eroded. The difference between principles and values is principles aren't malleable. So these are the non-negotiables. And I don't think many of us have actually, I mean, some of us have, I'm sure, but there's somebody listening and watching today that says, you know what? Never done any work there. Maybe I want to. And so getting clear in your non-negotiables, I will not change this no matter what. You can't force me. You can't persuade me. You can't, there's nothing you can do that will change my thought about this, my belief about this. Like it's a non-changing thing for me. That's a principle, right? And so if you were the illustration that I use for this, the conscientious objector. So most of us understand what a conscientious objector is. That's somebody who just will not go to war, right? So if there's a war and you're drafted or you're not, you know, like whatever, you're being forced to go or something and you don't believe in that, there's no way that you would raise a gun or go to the military or all that kind of stuff. There's nothing that's going to change that belief. So back in the times of here in the state, back in the times of draft, there were people who would flee the country. They're just, they're not going to go. They would go to jail. They would say, there's no way you're going to you know, force me into them. But there's, it's a non-changing thing. Non-negotiable, yeah. So what are your non-negotiables? For me in my life right now, one of my non-negotiables, just being candid, you know, to additionally illustrate is I believe in, in meaningful relationships, right? So if you're a person who focuses on superficial conversations and, you know, that kind of thing, we're not going to connect, right? That's a non-negotiable for me. Like I need meaningful relationships. How's the weather in Florida right now? All right. I mean, <laughs> it's great. Look, I can have those to a certain extent, but it's not, you know, you got to have some depth to you. Otherwise, you and I are not going to connect. So I know you have the depth, David. So I pass the mic back to you. Yeah, I can. You said a lot and I can agree with everything you said. With the depth thing, you know, like even when I meet somebody on a plane, I just go straight deep into whatever. And then either I repel this person like an instant or I draw this person in. You know, you kind of filter out right. the people who are not right for your tribe and you draw the ones that are cool you draw them in really fast also with the i like the idea with the principles because i have my core values defined and my vision defined and my mission defined but my non-negotiables i think my core values kind of leading into this but i think it would be a cool exercise to kind of like figure out my non-negotiables because it's different with the magic happiness course i help people to define those things but i want to go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out like for the sake of efficiency, 80-20 rule, like what are the, the things that really matter? Because it's already like a fairly large ask. As you said, like it takes iterations. It takes some time to figure these things out. You know, not to overwhelm people with too much work. And I know that took like it would be super valuable for people to figure out their strength, you know, kind of like knowing like what's in my tool belt, how I can I provide value to people when I meet somebody, you know. I'm good at organization development. I'm good at personal development. I'm good at marketing, I'm good business in general, kind of like knowing like the things that I, when I meet somebody new, like to ask some proper questions, to be like, okay, what value thing or strength thing from a tool belt can I take out and help this person? 100%. What happened for me, and I, I speak into this a lot too, David, is a purpose. Like so a lot of people talk about purpose and why and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I take issue to that. 
So purpose is important, but here I'll drop this for anybody listening and watching who's enjoying this conversation. I struggled with purpose most of my life, right? And so we hear these things like, find your purpose, find your purpose, find your purpose. I'm going to tell you, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> you don't find your purpose. I'm sorry. Like if you're out there looking for your purpose somewhere out there, if that's what you're doing, you're probably killing yourself right now, right? really frustrated. So you don't find your purpose. And the more you try to find your purpose, like what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? The harder it is, it's like slippery. So the more you squeeze it, the, the faster it slips away. And I share this out of love and I share this as feedback for growth. Purpose, what I have found is nested. So we're gonna have a purpose at work and we're gonna have a purpose in life and we're probably gonna have multiple purposes. I joke around, I say purpi. So that's the plural of purpose, right? And so you're going to have several of them. I The way I teach my clients is that it's nested, like nested dolls, like those Russian dolls that you have one doll inside the other doll inside the other. They've got to be aligned. But what are your what are your purposes, right? So what's your ultimate aim? What's your ultimate purpose, right? What's your, you know, 10-year purpose? What's your future mission? That kind of stuff. Like they're nested. And then what's your current purpose at your your career goals? You're like your career purpose. What's your home life purpose? There's several of them. You got to make sure they're aligned and, the, and, and there's, there's more than one. There's not one purpose. There's not one why. I'm sorry. Desire for me, what I have found in my life. Desire has been very stable. Okay. I've always desired the same things from the age of seven, going back to my origin story that I shared. With. I always desired the same things. I wanted to believe, belong, and become. I just wanted to be more significant. I want to be able to contribute, to be a good person. Like that desire has never changed. It's been stable throughout my whole life. But purposes have changed a lot throughout my life. Now, I think for some people, they know intuitively and from an early age. And that's great. And so if that's if you're that person, I commend you. I celebrate you. But for someone who's struggling to figure out their purpose, I'm going to give you, it's what we talked about here on this podcast already. Stop looking for your purpose. You design your purpose, you create it, and you build it. And that's how you achieve it. You design it, you create it, you build it, and that's how you achieve it. DCBA, not ABCD. People have been telling you how to say that alphabet backwards. Sorry. The way you do that is not by chasing it. The more you chase it, the more it slips away from you. You find it by exactly what David, that you just said. You do some assessments, strikes. You like take the strengths finders, figure out what your strengths are, figure out what your motives are, figure out what your needs are, figure out what your beliefs are, what your purposes are, what your talents are, what you're good at, what you loathe. You said something about repelling. I want to repel some people and I want to attract the right people, right? What do you loathe and what do you like? When you start to figure those things out, just create a list right now, even if it's messy, like start to capture that stuff in an Excel file or Google or whatever. This is stuff that you can start on your own if you're up to it, I highly encourage a coach that's walked through all of this, you know, someone like David, someone like myself, because they've walked through this, but, you know, start it on your own and see where you land. But that's where you'll find your purpose is when you begin to figure out who you are, what you believe and what you know and what you want. Trying to figure it out before you know those things is like working without a structure and a substructure. If you want to build a house like that, you're going to build a house of cars and it's going to fall. So you'll probably end up in the same spot. Neither David nor I want to see you there. That's so true. And I also think just sitting down and thinking about this doesn't help. You know, like, oh, I'll take a break now. It will not work. I'll sit and meditate until I have the idea. This didn't work for me. Like for me, it only worked just like doing something 
that I kind of like rough idea this direction, then okay, I like this about that, I don't like this about that. Then I just kind of focus more on the parts I like. Yeah. One foot in front of the other, and then at some point you get there. Right on. Frameworks. Who are you? Everybody knows their name, right? Who are you? What do you do? Who do you serve? What transformation do they see? And what will they get out of it? There's five pointers for you right there. There's your purpose. There's starting place. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's awesome, Brad. Hopefully that's helpful for you all. Yeah, very much. So thank you very much, Brad. Really enjoyed that conversation. Any books, tools, or resources you want to recommend to the audience? Tons. So I don't brag about this, but one of the changes that I made, like I shared some of my story with you actually before we hopped on the podcast. And when I reached that changing point in my life, David, that's the first thing I turned to was books. So books is a great starting place. If you've never had a coach before, if you never had a, a real mentor, free or paid, whatever, it's a game changer. But many of us start with books. We start with podcasts. We start with audiobooks, or then we start to read and enhance our reading skills. And that's exactly what I did. So I didn't have a whole lot of mentors in my life. That's changed dramatically over the years. But there was a time in my life when I didn't have that. And I was sort of frustrated. So books is a great starting place. You'll start there, but then after you've read a number of books and you start to see the patterns in the books, then you're going to need some mentorship and some coaching. Hopefully you'll do both, but at some point you're going to reach a lift. back. Books will only take you so far, right? So information without action is useless. I say, make sure you're executing. Don't be like me who read and read and read and read like 3000 books. So I read a book a day for nearly six years, five and a half years. Wow. But I didn't implement, that's too much information coming in. It was good to a certain extent because I'm a pattern guy and I can receive a lot of input, but I, I wasn't acting on the information fast enough. The world is over-inspired and under-executed. That's exactly it. Yeah. So my ambition didn't equal my action. So I, I encourage you determine like what you're trying to fix right now, what you're trying to improve and then go deep, right? So it's about the depth. It's about taking action, getting the book and then applying what they're actually teaching you in the book. And so few people do that. So before I give some books, that's what I'll say. And that kind of led into one that I actually love. So I'll drop that here. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. If you haven't read that, I highly recommend it. And that's exactly what I just spoke into. So reading is great, but it's gotta be deep work. So I'll drop that one for you. I'll also say one of the greats. So everybody knows about Think and Grow Rich. That's a good place to start if you, you know, if you haven't been exposed to that book, I've read that book over 25 times and it's been different to me in different times of life. And it's, there's some depth in there if you let it happen, but you got to receive the depth. The other one that many speakers quote is, uh, man's search for meaning is tremendous. Did you read Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? I did. Good book. Yep. Really good book. I mean, I can spit books off. I Behind me, I have like How the Mind Works by Steven Pinker. That's a deep, that is not an easy read. That is a very deep book, but there's so many, I could, David, I could go on and on, but those are some good starters. I highly encourage you to start there. Cal Newport's book is great. Oh, and Atomic Habits. So I spoke into habits a little bit. So Atomic Habits, it's trending right now. But if, you know, if you're listening and watching and you haven't read that book, I highly encourage you to read that book. Habits are another thing that drive us every day. You listed a lot of my, my favorite books there. Tiny Habits is also a good one. Yeah. Anything you want to pitch and how can people find you? I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> the three main social media channels. So Brad A. Milford, it makes it easier to find me, to weed through the noise and find the signal. 
You can find me on social media. So on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, very easily just by typing in that name. Also, you know, I'm not going to pitch anything solid because I know probably like, you know, listening and watching that everything's about relationships. So I'm not going to cold pitch you on anything. What I'd love to do is have a conversation with you. So if anything has resonated with you or you said, wow, you know, that's some deep stuff. I'd like to learn a little bit more. Then I encourage you to go to my website, which is build brilliance. You want to find the essence inside you. You want to find your brilliance, right? It's very business oriented, but it all comes from a conversation, no matter what, whether it's business or it's personal, right? Brain, body, and business. So I encourage you to go to the website, buildbrilliance.net. And you can go to the contact page if you'd like to reach out to me and just say, hey, you heard the podcast from David, Managing Happiness. He'd love to have a conversation. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. We'll hop on a short 20-minute call. We'll explore what's happening. Get to know one another. That's where it starts. All that nonsense, you know, let's not worry about that until later. Get to know one another. Awesome. Brett, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Really appreciate you. Yeah, maybe we do this again. My privilege and pleasure, David. Thank you. <laughs>